Because the sikh is chilek chaf aleph, the sikh of Purim Tetzave, the summary. The Rebbe begins with an introduction that every Shabbos is not just connected to the days before it, but it is also connected to the days after it. Especially, Tarpashas Tetzave, which is also Parsha Zacher, is connected to the days after, which is Purim, because Zacher is connected to Purim. And especially this year, when Shabbos is Yud Aleph Oder, it's specifically connected to Purim, because the earliest time you could read Megillah, according to the Mishnah, is Yud Aleph Oder, as the Mishnah says. Megillah could be read on Yud Aleph, etc. Now, even though that you could read the Megillah the whole, the whole month, the Ramah says, this is the custom. Nevertheless, there's a difference between the, uh, the 11th, 12th, and 13th, even though they too are only in certain circumstances, and the rest of the month, which is uh, even less than that. So to understand all of this, we begin with the fact that the Mishnah says Megillah could be read on the 11th, 12th, 13th, 14th, or 15th. So our first question is, since the main time to read Megillah is 14th and 15th, why does the Megillah begin with the 11th? Should have started with a primary time to read Megillah and then said the other times that are also okay. The other question that we have is why does the Mishnah start Megillah Nikreis? Megillah is read and not Kerenus and Megillah. We read the Megillah. It's more of a direct way and is more the common expression in the Mishnah. So the answer to this question is that the Mishnah is coming to emphasize that even though the reason why we're reading the Megillah on the 11th, 12th, or 13th is actually an allowance or a leniency that the Chamim gave so that the people could bring food for Purim, or as a reward for the fact that the people from the villages bring food uh, to the big cities throughout the year. So it's only a, uh, a, a, a leniency. Nevertheless, in this, those circumstances, the 11th, 12th, and 13th are considered the proper time for Megillah reading. To say this in other words, even though the reason why the Megillah, why the Chachamim said you could read on these days is to help the individual. But once they established that, it actually changed the item of Megillah reading, that the Megillah reading is that the 11th, 12th, and 13th are part of the Zman, the real time of reading Megillah. And that's why it says Megillah Nikreis, not Kairinus Megillah. Megillah is read because if it said Kairinus Megillah, you would think it's just something for the person, that the person could read Megillah. And the Mishnah is trying to tell us, no, that the, the, these days in the proper circumstances, in the right circumstances, these days are considered the time to read Megillah. And not only that, but since the Gemara says we learn it from Bizman Nehem, the word Bizman Nehem in the Megillah that teaches us that the Chacham initially established various different times for Megillah reading. So in a certain sense, the 11th, the 11th and 12th and 13th are learned from the same Bizman Nehem as the 14th and the 15th. So when you do have to read Megillah in those days, they are equal to reading the Megillah on the 14th and the 15th. And this is the Chiddush of the Mishnah. It starts with Yud Aleph to tell us that these days are actually considered the time of Megillah reading. And that's why it's different than the rest of the month. The rest of the month, a person could read Megillah, but it's not considered the time of reading the Megillah. But the 11th, 12th, and 13th is the time of Megillah reading. And the difference, the relevance in Halacha would be if you have another mitzvah that's in its right time, which one comes first? On Yud Aleph, Yud Beis, Yud Gimel, you would say Megillah comes first because it's, that is its time. But of the rest of the month, you would say the other mitzvah comes first because it's not the time for Megillah reading, even though you're allowed to read. This idea that days that are initially not the proper days are still considered the proper days is connected with the fact that the whole idea of the Megillah is in this way that something that is secondary actually becomes primary. We see this in a number of areas. Number one, in the writing of the Megillah. All the other Sifrei Kedis, the Holy Svarim, were, were written by direction from Hashem above. Esther, the book of Esther was written because Esther asked Kisvunil Adairus and the Chachamim debated if they should do it. 
and also the whole idea of the yomtiv of, 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 of Purim, and reading the Megillah, Esther asked Kivuni Lederis, and the sages didn't know if they should. So it seems to start out as a, a, a secondary sefer, something that came from, from below. But in the end, we see that all the other Sifre Kodesh will be uh, um, stopped when Mashiach comes, besides from Megillah Esther which is going to be on the same level as the, as the Chamisha Chum So we see that although it started out as a lesser Sefer, it ultimately gains over the other Svarim and becomes a primary Sefer. The same thing we find is in the fact that when the Megillah was written, it doesn't mention the Abishra's name, which seems as a, as a diminishment in the greatness and the holiness of the Sefer. It doesn't have Shem's name. As a matter of fact, that's why they did so. They, they, because they knew that the uh, Persians would translate the Sefer and write in the names of, their, of the idolaters, they purposely did not make it into a holy book. So that way to save face for the Abishter. But we, so we see from here that it's not a holy Sefer. But nevertheless, we know what Hasidus explains, that the fact that it does not mention the Abishter's name in the Megillah is because it's connected with a level of the Abishter that is beyond names. Like we see the Gemara says, Where do you see the story of Esther and Torah? The Pasuk, Aster. Aster is the same, which means concealment, and it also is the same letters as the word Esther. What does Hasidus say? That the Hester, the concealment, the darkness that came in the time of Esther was from the Anoichi, was from the highest level of the Abishter that is beyond being represented even in names, even in a letter, even in the tip of a letter. So this this seemingly lack of holiness that is lacking the Abish's name actually expresses uh, the fact that the Megillah connects with the highest level of godliness that is beyond names, the essence of Hashem. And now this brings us back to Yud Aleph, to the fact that the Mishnah starts with, with the 11th day, because the 11th day is the day that the villagers read the Megillah when they have to, and this actually reflects the whole message of the Megillah. And in order to explain this, we go into the, uh, the, the, the world of Hasidus. First of all, there's three categories. The walled cities, the open cities, and the villages. The walled cities represent a person who is insulated, who is protected, his Aveda is not affected by the world. The open cities represent those who are building a dwelling place for Hashem. A city is a place where you build homes. But he's not working with the field. He's working with ready-made products. He doesn't have to fight the world. The village, villagers represent the people that are in the fields, uh, plowing and sowing and fighting the tough soil. They are struggling against the world. In the, in, in, in the, wor- in, in the worlds, in the spiritual worlds, the, the, big city, the walled cities represent Bria, which is the Srafim, the angels called Srafim. The cities, the regular cities are called our world of Yitzira, which are the angels, the Chayis HaKadosh, the Holy Chayis. And the Kfar, the village, is, repre- represents the world of Asiya, the lowest of all worlds, which in the Malachim is the Malachim called Eifanim. What is the difference in the person's personal Aveda? The Krach, the, the, the walled city, represents serving Hashem with intellect. A person is able to understand and grasp uh, Hashem, and therefore there is an enjoyment there, because he appreciates, he understands it. And therefore the Srafim, the angels, uh, uh, they say, Srafim, they're able to appreciate the greatness of Hashem, and therefore they become consumed in a yearning and a desire for godliness. The, the, the open cities represent Midas, which is the world of Yitzira which is where Hashem's Midas are. And therefore, because it's emotions, because it's a, a, a love Hashem, a fear of Hashem, therefore they serve Hashem with great tumult. It is the bubbling, it is the uh, expression of the excitement of the Midas that creates this great tumult. Then you have the Bnei Akfarim. The Bnei Akfarim, 
the, the villagers, that represents the world of Asiya. Asiya is the world of bittel, of submission, of acceptance. That even though there might be a, some seichel or some midas, but the, 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 it's not enough to serve Hashem. The way they serve Hashem is with a with acceptance. And even there, even though over there too, there is a great tumult, but it's not a tumult of excitement. It's a tumult of being overwhelmed by something that is totally beyond you. Like a village boy that goes to, to, to see the king that might express himself with great noise, but not because he appreciates the king, just because he realizes that it's so dif- different from him. So one might think that the Avedah of the Bnei Akfarim is on the lowest of levels, because it's only Bittal. But the truth is, as we know, Chassidus explains that there's an advantage to Bittal. When you serve Hashem with, with, with intellect or with emotion, then it's limited to your intellect and emotion. When you serve Hashem with Bittal, you can reach the highest level of Hashem. And that's why the Ifanim say, Baruch Hashem im Kaimai, they're able to reach Hashem in, him, in His place. Because since they're not limited by their own uh, external expressions, they, can, uh, they, they, they serve Hashem with Bittal, they can reach the highest level. And that's why the, the, the Mishnah begins with reading the Megillah on the 11th of other, the reading of the Bnei Akvarim, because that is the, that is the deepest, most expression of the Megillah. That despite the fact that there's a, a hester, there's a concealment, there's a lack of midas, there's a lack of seichel, and so on and so forth, but through this you reach the highest of all levels, which is what is represented in the Megillah. This can connect to Parsha's Tetzava as well, which is the reading, which is the Parsha of the Shabbos before Purim, because Parsha's Tetzava does not have the mention of Moshe Rabbeinu's name. So one might think, the only Parsha from when Moshe Rabbeinu was born until Dvarim doesn't mention Hashem's name, one might, but Moshe Rabbeinu's name. So it might think that this is a diminishment in Moshe. But we know that the Torah doesn't do anything derogatory unless it's uh, 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 relevant to halacha. So if the Torah takes out a Moshe's name, as a matter of fact, the Torah alludes to Moshe in the very name of the parasha, Tetzave, or Va'ata Tetzave. It must mean that there's something unique about parasha's Tetzave. And what is unique? What unique is, is that a tzaddik is like the Abishter. Just like by the Abishter, the holy names are only an expression, a manifestation of the lower levels. And the essence of Hashem is higher than the names. So to Moshe Rabbeinu, the fact that his name is not mentioned is because it is the essence of Moshe that is represented in Parashat Tetzaveh that is higher than any name. And therefore you have the Atta, the essence of Moshe, Tetzaveh can connect the Yidin with the Eibishter, with the essence of Hashem, because it's the essence of Moshe can connect the, the, the Yidin with the essence of Hashem. This also uh, uh, it, it connects with Parsha Zacher. We know that Parshas, that, that Parshas Zacher, which is the eradicate, which is the remembrance of Amalek. In order to eradicate Amalek, Amalek is, is combating the letters Vav K. Since Hashem's name is incomplete, the Yud K is, is there, but the Vav K of Hashem's name is incomplete. Yud K represents intellect and knowledge. Vav K represents the Midois and the action. So Amalek is okay with knowledge with intellect and emotion. Amalek is fighting the, 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 the practical action. And therefore, Amalek fights Vavke, which is action. And the Aveda of Zacher, of, of eradicating Amalek, is through engaging with Hashem in practical action, doing Teiro Mitzvahs, with Bittl, with Kabbalah's oil, and that's how you override Amalek. And, uh, and uh, this connects with Yud Aleph, because Vavke is Bigimatria Yud Aleph, Bigimatria 11. So by fighting Amalek, you reach the level of Yud Aleph 11, and then this brings you to the level of Moichim, which is Tesvav, Tesvav, which is the, the last day you could read Megillah, is 15, is Yud K, the first two letters of Hashem's name, that when you have 
when you, when you, when you overcome a Molik on the level of Vavke, then you could reach the level of Yudke, the Midas, the Moichin, and the Midas. And then you have the total rulership of the Abishtar of Adnai, because Adnai is 65, and Yud Aleph, Yud Beis, 11, 12, 13, 14, and 15 equals 65, which is Adnai, and this will be revealed with the coming of Mashiach. Milchama la Hashem ba Molik midir dir.